everyone. Thanks for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and tonight I've got three really wonderful guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you and really just sitting back and listening to them share their stories and their insights with us. First up tonight, I'm going to get a return visit from one of the top instructors in the game and one of the really great guys that you'll meet anywhere, and that's Dave Stockton, Jr., they played out on the PGA Tour for several years, and now he and his father, two-time major winner Dave Stockton, are two of the most sought-after instructors in the game. I'll get Dave's thoughts on this past weekend's PGA Championship, an event his father won twice. We'll also get some pointers on putting to hopefully help all of us sink a few more of those. Dave's going to be along with me here in just a few minutes. Following Dave, I'll be joined by yoga expert and the author of Yoga for Golfers, and that's Catherine Roberts. You may also remember Catherine from her time as co-host of the Golf Channel's The Big Break. She was also recently named one of the most beautiful women in golf by Golf Magazine. We'll also get some tips from Catherine on stretching, on how to warm up before our rounds, using yoga for strength training as well. She'll be along with me here a little bit later on in this half hour. Then we'll round out the show with a return visit from another one of the top instructors I've been blessed to have here on the show in the past, and that's Brian Jacobs. You've likely seen Brian's tips on the Golf Channel's Golf Academy. We'll dive into the short game with Brian. We'll get some tips on how to chip and pitch it closer to the hole. We'll also talk about how to get more spin and plus uh, the importance of writing down your goals so you remember what you're out there doing. So Brian's going to be along with me a little bit later on in the hour. So we've got a lot of great stories and information coming your way tonight on uh, Next on the Team. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour. Next on the tee, you know we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. So let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about all the great things that they've got going on up there. Play the courses the champions play. The Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses at French Lick Resort. The 2017 NCGOA National Course of the Year. Our Pete Dye course hosts the first ever Senior LPGA Championship presented by Old National Bank this July. French Lick's Donald Ross course is looking good as it turns 100 this summer and hosts the Donald Ross Centennial Classic Symmetra Tour event. Book your golf vacation now at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, be sure to go to FrenchLick.com, folks, to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay as well. I also want to welcome our new sponsor, Kinetic Sports, maker of Club Hub Sensors, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool in golf. If you're like me and you want to know all the data related to your swing, your swing speed, distance you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, angle of attack, and so much more than club hub sensors are what you need. And guess what? You can get all of that data for every shot, whether you're out on the course or on the range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of courses preloaded and mapped out for you. So not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your target and to the hazards, but you'll also be able to look back and see exactly where and how far you hit each shot. Think of what that's going to do for you for your preparation to play the course next time. The app will also keep track of the average distance you hit each club, so no more guessing and approximating. Are you ready to improve your game? Are you ready to take what you know about your swing to the next level, and both out on the range and out on the course? Well, guess what? Club Hub is here to help get you there. See what they can do for you at clubhubgolf.com, and use the promo code NEXT to get 10% off on all products. Again, that's clubhubgolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their semi-annual clearance sale going on right now with savings up to 50% off on polo shirts, sports shirts, trousers, tech shorts, and sweaters. 
Step up your summer and fall wardrobes with enduring style from the Bobby Jones Apparel Company. See it all for yourself. Go right online to bobbyjones.com. Plus, while you're in a Bobby Jones frame of mind, go to bobbyjonesclubs.com to see their great line of drivers, fairway woods, and hybrids designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Jesse Ortiz. Like his father Lou and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club design. You remember his great tri-metal fairway woods from his days back at Olimar. Well, now he's putting his creativity and his innovative designs to work, you know, creating great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. Check them out online at bobbyjonesclubs.com. And if you were with us, you know, several weeks ago, you heard about the great things that Russ Holden and the folks at Caddy for a Cure are doing. I, I believe so much in Russ and his team and the great things that they are doing that we're proud to be partnering with them now. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service veterans and a horrible disease, Fancona anemia. You'll walk side by side with your tour player, experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to this you know, amazing experience, you'll receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, including Under Armour logoed apparel, an eyewear package, a tour-grade Caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin-cup ball-marking gift, chef's cut real jerky and a professional photo of your day so go to caddyforacure.com to learn more and to see how you can get involved hi folks now back with me on the french lick resort guest line and making his seventh appearance on the show is uh dave stockton jr let me remind you about dave's background he is from redlands california and like his father and his grandfather before him he was an all-american golfer at the university of southern california Joined the then Nike Tour, which is now the Web.com Tour, back in 1993 and won twice during his rookie season at the Nike Connecticut Open and then on the at the Nike Hawkeye Open as well. Went through Q School in 1994 and earned his tour card and finished 96th on the PGA Tour money list that year and had two third-place finishes, you know, plus uh, another top-ten finish as well. From 1993 to 2006, he had six top-ten finishes on the Web.com Tour and 13 top-ten finishes on the PGA Tour. Following his days on tour, he spent a couple of years as a commentator for the USA uh, Network. He's now, like I said, one of the top instructors anywhere on the planet. And when he's not helping others with their golf games, he's hunting and fishing with his dad and his son. And I'm privileged he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me back on. So, Dave, it's been a minute since you've been with me here on this show. So catch us up. I know you you mentioned you're doing some great things with Back Nine Greens and uh, some other stuff as well. So catch us up. What's been going on? Yeah, well, still still doing the teaching thing, uh, but uh, kind of also transitioned into uh, working, designing uh, backyards for people that are interested in getting rid of their real uh, grass and going with synthetic turf. And uh, uh, I did it at my house. I remember telling you that in the past and uh, just loved how it turned out, found I used the backyard a lot more and, and um, got to become good friends with the owner of the company and started talking to him about uh, maybe doing a partnership and, and um, you know, blowing this thing up a little bit more and uh, reaching out and branching out to a lot of different areas. And that's exactly what we've done um, with Back Nine Greens. We created a luxury division, and I think you've seen some of the posts I put on, on Twitter 
of greens yeah. uh one we one we did in augusta and and uh one up at pebble and and one in nashville tennessee and uh it's just been a lot of fun uh and being able to you know take someone's backyard that you know they didn't use a lot and it just you know it was a lot of maintenance and and didn't use it much to turn it into a uh a backyard that all of a sudden their people are enjoying being out there and it becomes a a talking point and a and a place to to get together and have some fun um it's really it's really been fun and we 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 put them in where they really fit with the the land we have to work with and and we you know in contrast to what it would take for a real golf course going in I mean, we build stuff and it's done within weeks, within a matter of, you know, two to three weeks from start to finish once we go. And, um, you know, it's the, with the reception we've gotten from people and, and what we've, what we've been able to create has been, uh, uh, hugely popular and, and people are thrilled. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to bring that kind of, uh, excitement and enjoyment to, to people and, and, uh, create something that they can, you know, use, you know, your say, well, and depending on where you live, saving water and everything else. But, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a lot more user friendly and, and, um, you know, golf takes a long time to play. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, the drawbacks, but if you, you know, you got people that may, you know, not play golf and they go, let's go out there and let's do some putting and let's do some chipping and just kind of make it fun for everybody, no matter what the level of player. So, yeah, take that, you know, a little more detail, Dave, because these aren't just, you know, synthetic greens, you know, that are circular or maybe, you know, kidney shaped or something like that. You guys actually really do it upright. I mean, you know, you talked about the, right. the yard you did in Augusta. And, I mean, the, the, the replications <laughs> that you guys do and the things that you guys put together, this isn't just, you know, a simple, mm-hmm. you know, synthetic green that's sitting out there, right? Right, no, and that's where we created the the luxury division, where you know the original company, you know, put in uh, simpler greens. I guess you could say. I mean, very phenomenal jobs, but not the over the top with the the white bunkers and uh, a lot of the elevation changes and water features and whatever whatever the player wants, the person wants. Uh, you know, when it came to the green at Augusta. Um, we asked the owner of the property, said, do you, would you want this green to be, uh, similar to what you'd find at Augusta? Challenge like that with, you know, roll offs on the sides and, you know, shaved edges and the whole thing. And he's like, absolutely. And so we created that. And, um, you know, we even put a flower bed in the middle, um, and, uh, put a flagpole there and everything. We got the LED lights and the cups and, um, the bunkers, the white bunkers, uh, with the LED lights in the lips, so that it really pops with the white. The white is actually white grass. Uh, we've created a, a synthetic turf that acts just like, very similar to what you'd feel hitting out of a real bunker with sand, but the benefit to having it be white grass instead of sand is you don't get the green all messy. And then it becomes a cleanup nightmare and hassle, and we want to simplify and lessen the amount of work a yard uh, takes, and um, to to keep it look looking nice. And the the thing that I hear all the time is, that's that's grass. That's not sand. Yep, that's grass. And um, you know, people are just blown away. And the funny time was the 
my dad first time he's we were hitting out of the one at Augusta and I mean you've got to catch it right or you won't get it out of the bunker or you hit it too far so you your entry you know coming into the ball your angle of attack everything is very very similar to a real bunker shot and uh without all the cleanup and fuss you don't have to rake uh, much less maintenance and uh, uh the green we did in Nashville uh we took a side yard the guy originally wanted to have uh, a green between his house and his pool. He just bought it, the new house and he had this grass area and he wanted to put a green in with a couple of bunkers and have a, a tier in the green. And we came out there, the owner of the company and I, <clears throat> we came out and looked at the, uh, the area that he wanted to do this and there wasn't enough room to put two bunkers and do a tier in the green. It would have looked really Mickey Mouse. And could we have done it? Yes, but it would not have looked like a real green. It would have looked just manufactured and kind of silly, I guess you could say. And I said, you know, we can put something in here, but it won't be to the, you know, the effect that you're looking for. We will make it a little bit simpler because you'd have too much going on in too small a space. And he said, well, I do have this side yard over here that I was telling you about that it's really not a part of the yard. It's just kind of off to the side and we, it's not being used. And we walk over to the side yard and there's about 40 cypress trees, uh, on the side yard and it was really wet. Uh, they had a drainage issue there and everything else. And just, it wasn't other than a swing set for kids that I don't think got used ever. Um, it was not a part of the fenced in yard where the pool was. And, um, started talking to him about, well, we can do this, we, you know, if, you know, take these trees out and landscape and put in a green, we could do two bunkers like you want. And, um, long story short, we ended up putting the green there and we turf wise, we did 9,000 square feet and he wanted a Scottish bunker. We've gotten, we've gotten where we can do a Scottish bunker with the layered sod and it looks as real. You could walk up and t- you think it's real walking up and touching it. And he wanted a Scottish bunker. We put one in and, um, and, uh, with the white grass. So the two bunkers have white. He wanted a tee box on the other side. He can hit literally 40 yard shots to the other side of the green. And he wanted the tee box extremely tight. He wanted a really tight lie, similar to what you'd have at Augusta. And so we created that and, and, uh, um, it, it turned out unbelievable and one of the things that my dad and I do and my dad's been having fun although he didn't design that one with me he's designed several and and we have a blast doing it uh we were flying back there uh in September and the homeowners having a party at his house to showcase the green and my dad and I are going to put a clinic on um the night of the party and help people with short game and putting and and um and that's one of the things that we offer. If someone wants us to come in and do a green with back nine greens, uh, if they want to have the Stockmans come for a uh, party at their house and invite their friends, um, that's uh, that's, uh, that's something that we would do. So, wow, um, kind of a kind of a it's it's going to be fun. I, I think, and from what I understand, he's inviting around a hundred people to come to this thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be neat it'll be neat <laughs> wow fantastic good for yeah. you guys 
Yeah, and Dave, you know, as I was sort of looking at, you know, your Twitter page and you're trying to catch up with the things that you've been doing, I saw, you you know, not that long ago, you got to spend some time with, with Ben Crenshaw and, you know, you guys, uh, you know, must have had some pretty interesting conversations. I got to imagine when you when you start talking putting between you, your father and Ben Crenshaw, there, there are three more, <laughs> three people on the planet that know more about, you know, the putting stroke and putting. Talk about what it's like spending time with Ben. Well, first of all, Ben's one of the classiest guys you'll ever meet and just an absolute pleasure to be around. And, uh, uh, that's, that's always the case. And we, I ran into him at the 3M championship, uh, which was just a, a week ago in, uh, Minneapolis. And, um, we were talking about, uh, our kids and where they're going to college and his daughter's going to be a sophomore at USC. And obviously he's Texas and Texas comes out to play SC this year. And so I was talking to him. I said, are you coming out and for the game? And he says, absolutely. I said, well, we'll be tailgating. Let's get together. And, and he said, done deal. So we're going we're gonna to tailgate before the SC Texas game, which should be a lot of fun. So as we talk about putting, right. You know, as I look, like I say, you and your father and, you know, the putting gurus that you guys are, you know, Dave, you know, on the opposite side of the coin, I know you guys have spent some time in the past working with Rory McIlroy, and we see Rory, yeah. it seems like, you know, that putting stroke seems lost. I mean, he was last in the field last weekend and putts over 10 right. feet, one for 33 outside of 10 feet. Right. Are you, do you see something? Is, is there, is, are you noticing something from Rory? Is it his stroke? Is he becoming too mechanical? Is he thinking too much? Is it confidence? What do you think it is? I think all of what you just touched on. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't worked with him in a couple of years. Um, it's been about two years and, you know, we'd love to work with him again. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, if it does happen where we work with him again, um, it'll be, uh, it'll be on the, the quiet side. We'll help him and we won't, you know, it won't be anything we really, uh, talk much about. But uh, you'll you'll definitely notice a difference in his putting stats, and uh, we'd love to get the opportunity to work with him again. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that that we talked to him in the past and work with him on is uh, on the mental side, not just putting stroke. I mean, yeah, the putting stroke you can see. You know, I mean, he he's it's gotten it seems a little more mechanical, um, which obviously we're were the opposite of that but um you know there's he's a guy that he hits it so good his ball striking is so solid that he has more opportunities than other people on the greens and that can be a blessing and a curse uh it's a blessing because you're hitting that many greens and giving yourself that many chances it's a curse because if you're not making the putts early on the mindset it's it's not hard to slip into here we go again, I'm getting all these chances. I'm not making any putts. Mm-hmm. And this is just my perception of looking at this going, you know, this, he's not a guy that hits 11, 12 greens around and makes six, seven birdies. He hits 15 to 17, 18 greens around and makes four birdies or, or maybe five. I mean, his scoring average, you talk about his putting, his scoring average is second best on tour, I believe right now and yet he's ranks really low in putting so there there's there's things to look at there if he was just an average putter on tour 
uh, he'd be back to his his consistently winning ways because he his ball striking is is just ridiculous how good it is. Um, so it's just kind of getting getting back and simplifying his approach. I think uh, would be one thing, and then and then sticking to something and not changing. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was fun working with him when we did. Uh, he won four major championships and got to number one in the world. Um, you know, and, and he's had some injuries and things like that. He's too good a player. He's going to be back in the position again. Um, and it won't be long until he is. Uh, and if we're a part of that, that's great. If not, won't, will there be two people that won't be, that you couldn't be happier. We wouldn't be happier for him either way. We just would be thrilled if he found it, as would anybody else. The game of golf with him playing well is, is better. Not that golf's in a bad spot. We got a lot of great players. I mean, what Justin Thomas did, just did prove that. So, you know, there's no shortage of great, great young players, and it's fun to, it's fun to see this, this uh, age group of, you know, this, these guys within five years of each other doing what they're doing is pretty impressive. And, and Dave, as you mentioned, you know, a few moments ago, you talked about the mental side of putting. When mm-hmm. you, when you're working with guys, whether they're out on the tour or you know people at you know the clubs that you know that you teach at Del Mar Country Club is where you're teaching at now. But when you're when mm-hmm. you're talking about the mental side of putting, I mean, you know, we can we can talk ourselves into into or out of a whole lot of things. You know, talk about you know the mental approach and and is there a key? Is there a you know a swing thought, if you will, for putting that you guys like to you know instill in the in the folks that come see you? Well. A swing thought could be different for anybody. Um, it, it's what works for the individual. There's not one swing thought that's, that everybody's got to do. Like if someone comes to us, they're going to hear the exact same thing. doesn't matter who hears it. And you know, you'll hear some things that are the same, but for someone to have a key thought, that's, got, that's a personal thing, and it's going to be what, what triggers them into being better putters. But, you know, as, with, with putting, it putting's 90% mental. So if your mind is cluttered and you're thinking multiple thoughts, uh, for instance, a mechanical putter, somebody who is me- more the analytical mechanical side, um, uh, Justin Rose would be a good example, someone who's mechanical. They're not field players necessarily. They're very mechanical. They're perfectionists. They get it just so, and they want to repeat that. Well, that works in ball striking. That works in hitting balls. But that mindset in putting, where putting's more of an art. It's and my dad and Hogan said putting isn't a part of golf. My dad agrees with that too. I mean, it's it's totally different than the rest of the golf game. And putting is more an art form, uh, very much feel and visualization, and getting into a rhythm and a routine that repeats under pressure. And a quieter mind over the ball putting is going to trump anyone who's busy in their head and thinking uh, different thoughts, negative or whatever they are. Um, And so when people practice, you know, I'm always stressing, practice your routine. Go through a routine you're going to repeat every single time. Don't just sit there and putt, 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 because you're going to go through the motions. And then when it comes to comes down to crunch time and under pressure you got to do it you're you're you wonder why the routine breaks down and that can't happen that has to that that routine is your security blanket and 
helping you to handle the pressure of the moment. So to that point, you know, when you talk about a routine, is that also something that you believe is different for everybody because it, you know, gets you in, in you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you feel comfortable doing? Is there a, something that you think we should all be doing in our in our putting routines? Yeah, I mean, a routine in putting is very similar to, and this is when we have someone work with them the first time, we have them sign their signature. And you've heard me say this, you sign their name and then underneath it, sign your name again, but take 10 or 15 seconds and make it look the same. And the second signature looks awful and is not comfortable. And that's because there's trying involved. And it's not in your, the first signature was in your subconscious where you just got into a rhythm and went. Now, if no matter what level player we are, if you, you had one of those days where you just had a good rhythm going and a good flow to your game and you played great and it seemed effortless. That's, that's where I'm talking with the first signature. We just, we're not, we're, we just get up and sign. It's all, uh, subconscious just going through it, going through a, you know, a routine and, and the, the slowing down and trying to get it just so is the frustrating one where we're, ah, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest. Well, trying doesn't work. That's why the second signature, when you slow down and try, looks awful. But we're just programmed to try really hard, and that doesn't work when it comes to putting. <laughs> it's just like beating your head against the wall. How long are you going to do it before you realize, you know, this isn't working. I'm not a very good putter. And as soon as you – that's why I call it the second ball mentality. When you when you mess up on the first one and you throw a second ball down and you look out and you roll it and it goes in and you go, wow, why didn't I do that the first time? Well, it had nothing to do with the stroke. It had everything to do with your mindset. Ah, and so, good point. you know, when you, yeah, I mean, when you're, you may go out and miss the first nine, nine, nine greens, you had putts you could have made and they didn't go in. It takes someone really strong mentally to walk to that 10th hole going, you know what? I'm rolling it great. I know that they haven't fallen yet, but they're gonna. And the guys that had attitudes like that, uh, back in the eighties and nineties with Chip Beck, Chip Beck's most positive guy I've been around. Uh, a, a more modern guy that's like that now, Matt Kuchar. I mean, they don't beat themselves mentally. And Kuchar is a pure testament to that because it's a different golf swing. It's different action with the putting. Ironically, he went to that after working with us um, with putter up the arm, and he thought of that on his own. But, uh, you know, it's far more a mindset. You can see people that are the good putters, they're not negative on – they're walking in, and you can see it whether you're watching it in person or watching it on TV. I mean, you could see it at the British Open with Jordan when he made the bogey on 13 and made that putt. He went to 14, and he made the birdie on the par three. You could see it in his eye walking in that he was going to make the putt. Everybody knew it. And he just mm-hmm. made everything coming in. He made everything coming in when he hadn't made a putt the first 12 holes. And that's an example of someone who's really, really strong mentally that, hey, things didn't start out well through 12 holes. I'm, I haven't made a thing. And all of a sudden he puts lights out the last, you know, five, six holes. That right. happens because of being, that happens because of mental toughness. And that mental toughness trumps all that stuff. I mean, you, you you think mental toughness, and I think of a Jim Furyk. There's a golf swing that for 
30 plus years, teachers all over the place have wanted it would want to love to change that swing. He's only got to break 60 twice. Well, what's he have? Right. He's really good mentally. He's really good mentally. Right. It's not about you show me someone with a beautiful golf swing and a nice stroke and wonder why they're not winning more. Um, well, it comes down to what they're thinking mentally and how their yeah their golf swing looks great, but if the mind isn't quiet or not not thinking the right way, you know. I mean, you ask me what everybody should do. Every I walk into every single putt with the mindset I'm making it. It's going in. I don't ever walk into a putt going, geez, I hope it goes in or I hope it doesn't go here. I hope I don't do what I did the last hole. I've never thought that way, and that was because I grew up watching my dad. So it was simple. So I was lucky to have to watch him and Caddy for seven summers as a kid and and learn, you know, the game from him and who he wasn't a great ball striker, but from a hundred yards and in, he was nobody was better. It's just because he just had that feel and he got anywhere around the greens. I mean, he's going to chip in once or twice around. And he's going to make a bunch of putts. So it's it, it is a mindset. And uh you know that that that's where people don't work enough on that. They work really hard on the physical, and they neglect the mental side and and how they should be thinking on the golf course. Right. You know, far more important. Well, well, Dave. Before we let you go, you know, let our listeners know, like again, you know, all the great things that you're working on and you're involved with, and and uh, the great stuff that you guys have available, you know, on online as well. Let let our listeners know. How can they catch up with you? How can they stay up to date with what you're doing? And then uh, mention uh, about your website as well. Sure, yeah. Um, anything as far as working with my dad and I with, you know, we're doing corp- we do corporate outings. We do uh, one of the things we like to do is we like to go into uh, clubs. Uh, pros contact us, and we've been we go to instead of golf schools. What we'll do is if a head pro at a club says, "Hey, I've got a bunch of members that would love to have you guys come in for." you know, do a, do a, a golf school for the day, you know, three, four hours at a time where we focus on short game and putting and the mental side. And we do those where we come in and work with a group in the morning, have lunch, and then we have a group in the afternoon and do a dinner with both groups with Q and A and everything after that's been really well received. And those are things that if there's people interested in that for clubs, uh, can go to stocktongolf.com and, uh, Stacy in our office uh, is there to handle all those requests with us. And then um, as far as uh, synthetic turf greens with back nine greens, uh, back nine greens.com and uh, the luxury division that we created is BNG luxury.com, which is just short for back nine greens. So BNG luxury.com and they can see the, a lot of the product that we've created on the, on that website and how we can be contacted. Um, and uh yeah that's that's about it there you go dave it's always an outstanding privilege for me to get to spend some time with you always have a great deal of fun i hope you'll come back much sooner this time it's been like i said it's been a minute but i'd love to get you back on uh when you've got some more time because you're fantastic well chris i appreciate having me on and i'd love to come on anytime and uh love your show and and uh have a have a great week all right dave you too all the best to you and your family my friend Thanks, Chris. You as well. Take care. Thanks. Take care. That's Dave Stockton Jr. And, uh, you know, you want to talk, like I said, not only is Dave a great instructor, 
But as you heard, you know, from the conversation, there just isn't a finer individual that you'll get the opportunity to listen to and be around. And and uh, and, and you go on to StocktonGolf.com, the videos that they have and the, the putting lessons and, you know, some of the great things that they are doing. And this back nine greens, folks, I, I can't I can't urge you hard enough to go do a little research. Look them up online. Some of the stuff that uh, that they have created is absolutely outstanding, you know. So uh, uh, I can't thank Dave enough for his time. We look forward to getting him back on the show, like I said again, real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Catherine Roberts, I want to remind you about our friends over at SyncIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Team, to have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course. Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SyncIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought, just like Dave, Dave Stockton Jr. just talked about a moment ago, about sinking the putt. Keep putting that in your mind, and you can do so with their great line of T-shirts and hats. To win any tournament, you've got to sink the putt, wake up every day, finish strong, sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, get better each and every day. Well, have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering unwavering passion. You're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at sinkit.com. And I also want to give another shout-out to our new sponsor over at Kinetic Sports, maker of Club Hub Sensors, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool that you're going to find in golf. And like I say, if you're like me and you want to know all the data related to your swing, whether that's your swing speed, distance you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, your angle of attack, and so much more, then Club Hub Sensors are what you need. And guess what? You can get that data for every shot, whether you're out on the golf course or you're out on the range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of courses already preloaded and mapped out for you. So not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your targets into the hazards, but you'll also be able to look back and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. Think about what that's going to do for you for preparation for the next time you're going to go out and play that same course that you just played. The app will also keep track of your average distance that you hit each club, so no more guessing and approximating. If you're ready to take your game to the next level and improve your game, are you ready to take you know what you know about your golf swing to a new level? Well, all of that you're going to be able to do with Club Hub, and they're, they're going to get you there, folks. See what they can do for you at clubhubgolf.com and use the promo code NEXT to get 10% off on all of their products. Again, clubhubgolf.com. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Catherine Roberts. You probably remember Catherine uh, you know, from uh, one of her many gigs, one of them being co-host of the Golf, Channel, Golf Channel's The Big Break. You may also remember that Golf, you know, Golf Magazine named her as one of the most beautiful women in golf last year. She is also the founder of Yoga for Golfers. She's a certified yoga instructor, and she's been so, I guess, since she's five years old because she's been doing it for about 20 years now. She is also a Nike Swoosh Elite Athlete and on their advisory staff. She is also certified by the Gray Institute in Applied Functional Science and Chain Reaction Biomechanics. On top of the work she does with golfers, she also serves as a yoga performance coach for several Major League Baseball teams, including the A's, Dodgers, Padres, Cubs, Rangers, and Brewers. And if you think that's sort of an odd assortment of teams, well, keep in mind, all of those teams hold their spring training out in Arizona. And I am delighted to have Catherine with me here tonight on Next on the T. Hey, Catherine, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for having me. So, Catherine, I, you know, I guess I want to start, you know, I would say at the beginning, but, you know, kind of going back, you know, to your start, you know, and getting involved in yoga. When did you first become, you know, interested in yoga and biomechanics? When did, when did that come to you? Say, so, you know what, I, I can do that. 
Well, you know, I, I'm a lifelong golfer. I grew up in a golfing family. Some of my greatest childhood memories were playing golf with my dad. And um, I was playing out in Scottsdale and I got um, hooked up with a woman who was a five handicap. And at the time I was playing to about a 26. And I thought, okay, whatever she's doing is something I need to be doing. And she was a yoga instructor. And I've always been involved with fitness and training. I'm kind of a tomboy. I've played every sport possible. And I took my first yoga class. Well, I fell in love with it so much. I quit my corporate job to teach yoga full time. What I do want to share with you, though, is that my handicap went from a 26 down to a 16 in about five months. And I realized that what I learned from her from a general yoga perspective was, and this really ties into what Dave was talking about. By the way, how great is Dave Stockton Jr.? He's phenomenal. Yeah, incredible. Incredible guy. And I love his dad, too. And so anyway, and so what I noticed was I was, first of all, hitting the ball further. Um, My back didn't hurt because even though I'm a fitness person, I still had back pain around the 14th hole. Um, I was able to have more endurance on the course, but most importantly, kind of back to what Dave was talking about, is that I was able to really control my mindset through the use of my breathing that I learned from yoga. And what happened for me was, again, living in Scottsdale, quitting my corporate job, teaching yoga. I was teaching at places like Desert Mountain and the Boulders and Desert Highlands. And all of my clients were golfers, and they were all coming back to me and saying, Exactly what I just said to you about my game. And, you know, most of these people were men. Um, I think what's surprising to people is that about 87% of our clients are men. And, and coming back to me and saying, you know what, I retired and I can actually play five days in a row without back pain, which is incredible. And in 2000, I decided to develop yoga for golfers. And believe it or not, Chris, my first product was a VHS, which is a little crazy. and that's how i that's how i started and we now have certified instructors in 26 countries and i've created probably 25 you know videos and instant downloads etc so it's really fun no doubt so you know and and Catherine, some of the stuff that you just mentioned right like most of us i think when we think of yoga you know we immediately think flexibility but there's a lot more to yoga because you know you can develop strength you can develop good balance so talk about you know yoga and how it can help us you know sort of in all three of those areas flexibility strength and and balance well first what i want to clarify is that what we deliver is based in the biomechanics of the golf swing you know, what we deliver is not the same yoga you're going to get with a $20 Groupon. It's completely different. <laughs> and and as we, you know, deliver the instant videos in our classes, et cetera, it's all about what golfers need. Physically, obviously, flexibility is an issue, especially especially for men. Most men need more flexibility, but a lot of women need more strength. And so it's a balance of that flexibility and strength. You know, I... I hear this over and over again from our clients. I'm losing distance. What can I do? I'm losing distance. And so our programs are designed specifically to help golfers, again, with more flexibility and strength. But I do have to say, one of the most common pieces of feedback I get from my clients is that they're shocked at how much better their balance is in a very short period of time. You know, balance is one of those things that you have to continually practice. Um, even, you know, even a, I just heard, actually, I just heard from a client um, last week who said, I'm 72 years old. I have stenosis in my spine. I have really bad balance and I'm losing distance. 
and he purchased some of our instant videos, sent me an email saying, thank you so much. Um, he said he was hitting the ball further than he ever had. And uh, he felt pain free for the first time after playing two rounds, which is pretty great. But balance is wow. huge, not just, not just, you know, from the physical perspective, but all, I mean, on the course, but also, you know what, when you, when you don't need to use your rear view mirror, Chris, to turn the car around and you can actually turn your thoracic spine to back up the car, it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Catherine, you know, is, is, you know, and I certainly looked at, you know, some of the videos, which are fantastic, by the way, and, you know, some of the, Thank some of the you. stuff that, that you do, you know, helping, you know, for the stretch, particularly, you know, in the upper body and the back and, and some of the things that, that you show, you know, there's certainly things I'm going to be adopting so that I can get a better turn in my golf swing. But talk about time, right? You know, most of us don't have a lot of time outside of, you know, the hour we spend in our daily commutes and the car and, and not, not a lot of yoga can go on there. So talk about, you know, how much time, you know, do you think it takes for somebody to go through a routine or a program like you have that you show, you know, whether it's on your DVD or what you have available on your website to actually start to see results? Well, you know, Chris, I had a client that came to me and and um, he was 67 years old. His doctor told him to give up golf. That was it. And And I gave him five or seven yoga-based poses to do for his back and his hips and his feet, by the way. We'll talk about chain reaction biomechanics in a minute. And I can tell you that Adherence over duration is the most important thing. This guy's name was Jim, and I always say to my clients, how much time do you really have truly? If you tell me you have two hours a day, I know you're lying to me, right? Because I don't have two <laughs> hours a day, and I do this. I do this for a living, right? But if you're willing to give yourself 15 to 20 minutes working on this flexibility, the strength, the balance, the breathing – you can see tremendous benefits quite quickly. It's just that you have to keep at it, just like anything, like with Dave, right? You have to practice your putting, you know, if you have to. But it's important that you're practicing with purpose, you know. So it's important that what you're doing is really targeting what you're trying to accomplish instead of just kind of nilly-willy going out there and saying, oh, I'm just going to do some stretches, but I don't really know what I'm doing this for. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. come back to, you know, this adherence over duration is is really important. And back to this client, Jim, who's my 67-year-old golfer, I worked with him. It was 15 to 20 minutes a day, about four days a week. And in three months, he was back playing golf. And he thought that he would never play golf again. Wow. So you mentioned you mentioned a couple of times, Catherine, breathing, right? So, you know, and one of the things that I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of we golfers, a lot of us hackers, you know, also struggle with when we're out on the course is maintaining focus, right? Throughout your round of golf mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Talk about mm-hmm. breathing and how yoga and, and the things that you teach can help us, you know, maintain our focus throughout our round. Well, breathing and proper breathing has tremendous psychological as well as physiological um, implications. The first and foremost thing I always say is that breathing is the fastest way to reset your mind. That's one. The second thing is, is that breathing relieves tension in the body. And if you need to create an efficient, effective, consistent, repeatable swing, you have to have a body that's free of tension. Everyone knows that feeling when you're standing on the first tee 
and, and, you know, guys are behind you and all of a sudden you feel the tension raising in your body and your, your trapezius muscles and your shoulders start to inch up towards your ears, right? And there's tension in your hands yeah. and your wrist and your forearm. You cannot create that type of swing that I just described. So what we teach in a very tangible, specific way is how to have awareness of your breathing and also how to incorporate breathing into your pre-shot routine. So one of the things that I teach my clients is that the breath should be what we call a deep diaphragmatic breath, which means that there's a long inhalation and exhalation through the diaphragm. And so what I'll teach my athletes, and by the way, this is in baseball as well, too. This is for my pitchers and for my hitters, especially my pitchers and for the golfers, is that when you stand over the ball before you begin your takeaway, you take a nice long inhalation through your nose and a long exhalation out of your nose, and you feel the traps and your arms and your forearms and your hands relax, and then you start your takeaway. And I thought it was really interesting because um, Dave talked very much about having a repeatable, basically pre-shot routine, okay? Something that is repeatable, because when it's repeatable and it is something that you do all the time, it's your go-to piece. It's not like, oh, I'm standing over the ball. Oh, my gosh, what do I do now? You've already done it. And that type of breathing we teach throughout all of the Yoga for Golfers sessions. It's, it's being able to incorporate the breathing into the pre-shot routine. You know, and lastly, from the mindset is that what we teach our athletes is that it's important when you're walking between shots, Chris, to lift your eyes up to the horizon, right? To take in the peripheral vision. There's actually some interesting research about vision and your peripheral vision and kind of taking the nervous system from being in this really heightened sympathetic state to down to the more calm parasympathetic nervous state. And, and th this is the kind of thing that I'm teaching every day and have been for 17 years now. Catherine, just a couple more before we let you go. And, you know, many golfers struggle with correct posture, particularly, you know, when we're addressing the golf ball. We see so many people mm -hmm. have a sort of a curvature in their spine, particularly at the you yep. know top of their spine near their shoulders and the neck. And, you know, yeah, you want to have a pretty straight, yeah. you know, yeah, you want to have a nice straight posture when you get to address. Talk about how do we improve that? How, a, how do we recognize it? And B, how do we improve it? Well, first of all, I think posture is critical. Posture is the foundation of your golf swing. And I always say, you know, would you buy a house if it was built on a cracked foundation? Absolutely not. And if you start with poor posture, you're building a golf swing on a cracked foundation. So what's really important is that you not only work on the mobility of the thoracic spine, that C posture, but you also work on the ability to strengthen the muscles of the upper back so that you can maintain that posture. But I just want to say this too, is that, you know, you mentioned that I have a degree in chain reaction biomechanic. Posture can actually be affected by your feet. So if you have flat feet or you're wearing orthotics all of the time, okay, when you look at the kinematic sequence of the golf swing, it starts in the feet. This is three-dimensional motion analysis. I didn't just make this up, right? So your flat feet can be affecting your hips, your lumbar, and your thoracic spine, creating that C posture. So it's important that if a golfer is working with me or anyone else, is that they look at the entire body as it's working from a chain reaction perspective and not just zone in on one specific area. And so, again, you know, posture is just, it's, it's critical. 
good posture is critical. So, Catherine, for our listeners who, you know, you're just sort of wet our whistle, right? You got so many, you know, good things out on your website. You got so many great videos and, you know, the books that you've, you know, that you've written. Talk, you know, let our listeners know. How can they go there and find out that information? Tell them what they can find on your on your website and then how they can follow you on social media as well. Okay, well, the first thing I would say is if you're brand new to yoga or brand new to yoga for golfers, on our website, which is Yoga for Golfers, F-O-R, yogaforgolfers.com, on the upper right-hand corner, we have something called the Golfer's Profile. And if you click onto the Golfer's Profile, it, and by the way, this is all complimentary, Chris, okay? If you click onto the Golfer's Profile, it will ask you about 15 questions, things like, what are your strengths on the course? What are your challenges? You know, what's your fitness level? How much time do you get to the course, before, you know, to warm up, et cetera, et cetera. Based on your answers, you will instantly receive five free video tips that will target exactly what you're looking for. And it's a really good place for people to start if they've never done, you know, yoga for golfers or they've never done yoga or they want to work on the flexibility and the strength and the balance. So I would definitely encourage people to do um, yogaforgolfers.com, go to the golfers profile and take that. Um Secondly, is that similarly to um, to what Dave was talking about, I do a lot of work with private clubs. So if there are pros out there that are listening and want to bring me out to private clubs, I do a lot of that work. I also do a lot of live remote coaching. I coach clients all over the world over FaceTime that I've never met in person, and that's a really powerful tool as well. And then uh, Twitter, I'm at, at Roberts Yoga. Instagram is Yoga for Golfers. And then on Facebook, I'm at Catherine Roberts. Great stuff. An unbelievable five free videos that people can get by going in and putting their, their profile together. That's outstanding stuff. Catherine, thank well, you I so much. People, you know, your... people just need to, people need to just start. Anyway, thank you, Chris, so much. I really appreciate the time and, and hopefully the listeners will feel a bit inspired. Absolutely. I know I am. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon because there's so much more to get into with you that we just didn't have enough time for tonight, but I'd love to get, you know, catch up with you again sometime. Sounds great. I'm all I'm all for it. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Thanks, Catherine. That's Catherine Roberts. And again, folks, yoga for F O R, yogaforgolf.com. And you know, I I was out there and I took a look at, you know, some of the videos on there, like I say, inspired me to, you know, want to try, you know, try to get, you know, better at what I'm doing and watching some of the things that she's got available there. There's stuff out on on YouTube as well. The books outstanding, folks. I can't tell you enough. You know, when you look at, you know, some of the things that we talk a lot about on this show, right? We talk about the mental approach and then we talk about the importance of warming up, stretching, all of those sorts of things to kind of help us improve our golf games in that way. We just don't, too many golfers don't understand how important those things are, how important it is to have a good routine, to, you know, stretch, get prepared, get warmed up, and then, you know, continue like, you know, like Catherine just said, you know, repeatable, right? I think that would be a word of the night, repeatable, right? Dave Stockton talked about repeatable in your swing and in your setup and in your routine. And Catherine talks about, you know, staying, you know, not only just trying it once or twice, but continuing to do it. Both, you know, all of that stuff is very important. Again, yogaforgolfers.com. It's really great stuff. Hopefully we get the opportunity and the privilege to have Catherine back on the show again real soon. All right. Before I get to my next guest, Brian Jacobs, you know, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Parbar. Energy and focus, right? We're talking a lot about focus tonight. Energy and focus on the course. It's essential whether you're playing, you know, out on, out on tour in your club championship or just, you know, your weekend four ball with your buddies. Par Bars, the golfer's nutritional bar, can help you do both of those things. 
eats, you know, some before you get to the first tee and the rest, you know, about every three holes until it's gone. And you're going to play with more energy and more focus and, you know, have a better ability to win. Parbar was developed by a lifelong golfer and food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go to parbargolf.com to order yours. And we also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgasuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back with me on the French Lake Resort guest line is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergrad and master's degree of education at NYU. He became a PGA assistant director of instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a uh, staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the director of golf instruction at, at a Hank Haney certified and a Hank Haney certified instructor at the uh, Iran Duquois Country Club up in Rochester. In 2014, he became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel's Golf Academy, uh, Golf Channel Academy. In 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridgemont Country Club, also up in Rochester, and uh, he's become a wonderful friend of the show. It's been an outstanding privilege to get to know Brian over about the last three or four months, and I'm glad he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Brian. How have you been? Oh, my gosh. I am full swing. Uh, just constantly go 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 which has been great and, and loving uh the weather and loving having the students on the lesson tee and helping them out so brian before we get into all the golf stuff mm-hmm. right we got the uh, football season about to start i know you're a big buffalo bills fans and uh, your boys just yes, traded sir. away uh, your best defensive back and your best wide receiver in sammy watkins <laughs> so curious to get your thoughts how you feeling about your bills heading into this season I actually feel really good. I thought it was, uh, you know, a good trade. I, I think it's really funny um, because I, you know, teach some of the guys and some of the staff. A lot of my friends <clears throat> around the country will, you know, send me texts. And I, I was on the lesson tee when everything happened. And, I mean, my phone was just blowing up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so I looked and I'm like, have you read this? Do you know about this? You know, so I finally got a chance to sit down and, and um, you know, think about it a little bit. And I, I thought, you know, it was great because they were getting players back and then also the value of the draft picks. So uh, Coach McDermott and um, uh, the GM uh, Bean are definitely moving the team, I think, in the right direction. And and it's fun to watch. It's fun to see somebody that's, uh, you know, caring about the players, but at the same time is, is building for the future. So, Brian, I, I wanted to, to get your uh, thoughts and insights into this past weekend's PGA Championship. And, you know, you've caddied, you know, we talked about this last time, you know, in some U.S. Mm-hmm. amateur events, you've also caddied, you know, out on the LPGA Tour. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, one of the things that I was curious about looking at this past, you know, like I say, this past weekend's PGA was, you know, Jason Day, you know, his final hole on, on Saturday. He got, he got to the 18th and was right there in, in the thick of contention, and he ends up making, you know, a quad, you know, shoot makes an eight on, on, on 18. And really right. just from a decision-making process and really the relationship between player and caddy, you know, and I think, you know, pretty much universally, the, the folks that I've talked to, and I, if you listen to the broadcast, right, he's, you know, a few mm-hmm. yards behind, you know, some trees and, 
You know, it looked like, you know, the play was to, you know, chip it out, you know, 175, 180 yards out that he you know, left himself and, you know, get on in three, hopefully make a putt for par. Uh, for par. At worst case, right. you probably think he's going to make five. And then he ends up, you know, trying to make this, you know, hero shot with a banana hook and right. you know, the rest kind of right. goes away. But from a caddy's <laughs> perspective, you know, is that is that something you know you, you try to pull your player your you know to the side and go you know look man <laughs> this what you're thinking here is crazy let's just chip right. this thing out let's try to make par at worst we make bogey we're still in this golf tournament you got a whole another round tomorrow let's go that right. route how how do you you know, how do you reel in a player that's thinking about a hero shot that he's not there's no way he's pulling that off well that's that's a tough one because. Uh... It's definitely a dance, and you have to massage it a little bit. But uh, I was actually pretty shocked about the whole process. I mean, as a coach, you know, now, and, and you coach high-level players, they only see one way a lot of times. And, you know, as, as a coach, you can be more objective about it, and you see different things that they might see. So I rarely question, you know, what the player sees. But in this situation, I I felt like, well, I would have put the bag right in front of them probably – you know, as a caddy and, and said, no, let's, let's rethink this a little bit here. Uh, you know, like you had said, I, I just, I couldn't see like the process that he was going through. Like I, I even was looked, talking to the TV, you know, my daughter was saying like, dad, uh, you know, this isn't going to talk back to you, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, I know, but I can't understand like how a fan even wouldn't say, what are you kidding? You know, like you've got to be kidding me. Like somebody help this guy. And, uh, you know, and he's such a good guy, and Colin's such a good guy. I'm just really surprised, you know, and kind of shocked that, that this process even happened. Like, again, if I were caddying, I think with the relationship that they have, I, I probably would have had the bag right in front of them and said, okay, let's rethink this. These are our options and try to give them a, maybe a better option, uh, you know, than than that type of shot that he hit. Yeah, I'm sort of like you. You know, I've, I've talked to the TV a bunch of times, particularly oh. when I'm watching Bill Mickelson. Sometimes in the past, yeah. I, I was sort of yelling at Bones, you know, through the TV, like, you know, you know, grab his right. driver, break it in half, and then, right. you know, hand him, right. a, hand him an iron or yeah. hand him a three wood, and, and let's move on. Yeah, that was like it's so that funny. Was head scratcher I was for looking, me, Brian. Yeah, and we spend a lot of time, you know, with our players talking about adrenaline levels and cortisol levels in their brain and how decisions can get clouded, you know, when you're you're, you know, kind of down about maybe a previous shot, but, but, uh, at that level, my goodness, uh, I think somebody needed to intervene and, and say, okay, let's have some sense here. Just common sense even, um, you know, right. this seems to be like the route we need to go and, you know, not so much even to, I guess, stop a big number, but just, um, to stay in the tournament. And, but he owned it. I mean, he took responsibility for what happened. And I mean, I just, I don't know what the thought process would be there. I, I honestly haven't heard an interview with him, and I, I didn't hear the press actually talk to him. I missed that, so I, I probably need to go back and look at it and, and why Colin didn't, you know, step in a little bit and put the bag in front of him and, and say, let's talk it over. Or maybe he's right. they have a relationship where maybe Colin only gets like two or three chances a year to, to overrule him, and maybe he felt like, well, this isn't the time, although I thought it was the time. You know, but that's what makes that's right. what makes the sport great. You know, your Monday at the uh, water cooler. I'm sure there was a lot of talks about, boy, I could make more uh, less than an eight on that hole, and I would have made way better decisions. <laughs> so, 
Um, it does bring yeah. a lot of parity into the game, doesn't it? It does. And it's it's interesting, Brian. You you mentioned adrenaline levels, and you talk about that mm-hmm. with your players, because yeah. you know Justin Thomas talked about you know his shot on 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 the par three seventeenth. You know, it was a great seven iron shot for you know I think it was two seventeen or something that the hole right. was playing. But he talked about how you know usually all day long that's a six iron for him. But he right. felt like you mm-hmm. know the adrenaline was up and he was all pumped up, so he took a seven and actually like right. you know, hit such a great shot. But talk about you know n- knowing that right, you know how do you know when the adrenaline is going that way that you know you're gonna you know you need one less club than you would typically take for that same shot. Right, I think a lot of it you know is being in the circumstance. Uh, like we talked to our players, so I'll give you an example of a uh, kid I had today, phenomenal player, um, but he's a low adrenaline guy. So he's not the guy that's going to be jumping up and chest bumping when he hits a shot. He's pretty, pretty uh, mellow about his shots. And we have a process where we go through and we say the shot's good or good enough or great or, you know, good enough means we can play it. Not, not so good means that, you know, it wasn't his best and, and uh, good and great. So we always objectify shots like as soon as we hit them um, so that we don't get too high with adrenaline where other people, when they hit a golf shot, they might be more expressive, like, wow, that was great, you know, kind of a thing. And so now you know that their adrenaline level is a little bit higher. So when they get to the next shot, you know, you've got to kind of bring them down a little bit. And and I caught the tail end of Catherine and uh, just breathing and looking at the horizon a lot of times and seeing what's around you will start to bring their, their adrenaline level down a little bit and their uh, another substance that people get in their brains is um, DHEA and kind of like a PED. It's, it's a performance type of thing that we naturally secrete. So these players are, you know, on roller coasters all day long um, unless they can stay leveled out, um, you know, in their brain with their decision-making and how they respond to golf shots. And it's all pretty cool. It's it's, uh, it's fun to watch players because I'll – I have a little, little, little guy that's just, um, one in Canada, uh, like seven years old and he's like an adrenaline junkie, man. He just loves to compete. And, and when he gets too high on adrenaline and, and, uh, you know, DHEA in his brain, um, you can tell like he just gets jacked up and he moves faster. And so what I do with him actually is we, uh, time his pre-shot. So we time it out. Um, when he's between 22 and, 25 seconds with pre-shot to shot. He performs his best. When he gets jacked up, he'll be in the 12-second range, and it's never good. You know, he's just moving too fast. So you got to throttle him back, and other players you got to speed up. And it's it's really, really cool, though. It's, it's like a dance, you know, and it's it's neat to watch people perform when they're, they're in that zone, um, you know, and they're feeling good about themselves. And most people kind of will take things to mechanics, but it, my my uh, one gentleman's level of play is rarely mechanics. It's generally how he thinks, his you know adrenaline levels, and then his tempo and his timing and his balance. So we do some different training to get him to be on target all the time. So he plays his best golf. That was a long answer <laughs> for a short question. <laughs> That's all right. That's great answer. <laughs> 
So Brian, I want to I want to spend some time talking about the short game and and uh, mm-hmm. about some of the great videos that you have available on your YouTube channel that our listeners mm-hmm. can find by going out there and searching for Brian Jacobs Golf. And please click click sub, uh, subscribe like I did because there's a a lot of great video content out there that uh, Brian provides to help you improve all aspects of your game. And Brian, one of the videos that you have teaches us how to get more spin on our wedge mm-hmm. shot, wedge shot. So yeah. talk about the misconception out there about how to get spin and how to actually, you know, get more spin. Sure. Well, well thanks for the plug and, and the uh, compliments. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, how we create more spin, most people come to me and say, I want to learn how to spin it. And I go, well, show me how you, how you would think you spin it. And they start to move the club steeper, more down, more close, you know, making the dig part of the leading edge of the club come into the ground harder. And I go, that's not going to produce the spin that you want. But, you know, first of all, the conditions have to be correct. Um, you know, some people will try to spin the ball or create more spin when the green is away from them. Um, and they won't notice it as much. But spin basically um, imparted by, you know, having precise pressure on the bottom of the golf ball. So the only way to create spin is to have the bounce of the club hit the golf ball in the, in the turf, you know, at the proper brush point, and that's what's going to create uh, the ball to have pressure uh, on the bottom of the golf ball and less pressure on the top. And uh, what will happen is, is that ball will climb up the face of the club and it will start to, you know, obviously spin a little more or grip. Uh, so how we produce that is more of a an in-to-out type of golf swing, a more shallow golf swing and not a steeper golf swing to create more spin. So it's basically precise contact is what we talk about, how to flush their wedges and how to solidly, uh, that's what really creates the spin. And that's where the struggle begins for most players. You know, if you watch the weekend warrior player, most of them will overspin the golf ball. They'll have too much slice spin or too much hook spin on the golf ball. So they can't produce, they're not producing exact spin or precise contact, you know, on the precise point of the golf ball. So that's where the fun begins for us, trying to teach them, you know, how it's handled and people hand pressure will be too much and their arm pressure will be too much. And so it's, it's, it's amazing when you think about the high level players, how they can spin the golf ball playing in front of, you know, millions of people, you know, and just, being able to spin the golf ball. And most people, if you put three people in front of them, they'll, sh- you know, spell it, you know, into the next county. Uh, so <laughs> it's, there's a lot of different factors that are involved with it. And, and so a lot of my videos will address, you know, sometimes it'll address tension levels. Um, I've got another, another round of 20 coming out here in the very near future. Hopefully we're getting ready to shoot the rest of them and, and edit, and so there's quite a bit on the short game um, because people neglect that, you know, as part of their ball striking routine, unfortunately. Yeah, and we talk, on, you know, an awful lot about that on this show, Brian, and, you know, where, where we find, you know, you know, we say it a, a million times, right, the game's played from 100 yards in, and, you know, Absolutely. you start to take that, and you, you have that, and really, you know, the area from, you know, 50 yards in, is, you know, an area that, right. you know, a lot of, you know, we weekend hackers struggle at because it's, you know, it's a it's right. a feel shot. And you know, we're, we're either chunking it and coming up short or we fly it way past the hole. Talk about how, how can we learn 
feel and better understand how to, you know, hit those mm-hmm. shots from 50 yards in. Right. Well, I do uh, create actually practice plans. So we do a program here called Project 1010, which is a 10 private sessions with a person and then 10 supervised practice. So uh, mainly the practice is on course um, and we'll play different games. But one of the things that we do to get people better faster in their short game is we'll set a matrix up of uh, from 10 yards all the way out to 80. Uh, there'll be 15 balls. And the goal is just to get it on the green, number one. We don't, we don't really necessarily work to a pin at the very beginning of it. So I take all the pins down um, so that there's no, you know, external pressure on the person. And then uh, the 15 balls that we have at each, every 10-yard increment, five balls they have to hit high, five they have to hit normal, and five they have to hit low. And they're like, well, how do I do that? And I go, ah, this is where the fun begins. Uh, so there's a lot of self-exploration there. You know, let's think about the golf club. Let's think about the bounce of the club in the dig and your hand pressure. And should the toe of the club be a little bit more open? Well, how do we make it go higher? How do we make it go lower? What about our ball position? So what it does is is I give them little cues. And then for the 10 weeks of their program that they go on, you should see how good they get from 80 yards. And each of them has a number that they really like. You know, and, and I like it to be 40, me personally, for them, because I know statistically at 40 yards, um, they're going to be about six out of 10 up and downs from there. Uh, so, um, just through my experience, you know, with the, the students. So my client base, my, my case studies, um, when they get outside of 50, you know, or outside of 40, they get significantly worse. Obviously, they're farther from the hole. And a lot of times, 10 and 20 yards cause too much angst for them. It should be easy to get up and down for them, but they just, for some reason, you know, and again, in my case study of students, they just are not good at it at that level. So 40 yards is almost a comfort zone for most of them, and they can hit the shots they need to hit. And it's really interesting to watch them come to. I had a student a number of weeks ago that didn't even have a wedge in his bag, no fan wedge. And he would, wow. he would, um, yeah, it was amazing. He could literally, from 80 yards and in, control a seven iron. You know, and he could hit it high or low, and you are amazing. I go, we're going to go right in the shop right now, and we're going to hit you for a wedge. And he's like, well, why do I need one? And I said, well, let's just, let's humor me. Let's go in. We'll fit you for a wedge. This guy's crazy with his wedges. He's amazing. So we've just added his third wedge in. Um you know, pitching wedge, which he should have, you know, and he says, Oh, I didn't, I didn't like that club. I couldn't hit it good. So I just took it out. I'm, you know, pretty much a novice golfer, but he's incredible with his wedges, you know? And, and so now he comes back. I've had him for, Oh gosh, probably six months now in a regular program where he's here every couple of weeks. And, uh, he loves the wedge play. Like he'll, he'll come a half hour early for a session and, and he'll go on our wedge range, and he just loves it. He just loves hitting wedges. And he never had one. You know, he's played for probably wow. five or six years without one. So you get all these different types of people in. And and uh, so I asked him this past Saturday, I saw him, I said, what's your favorite number with your wedges? He goes, every number, every yardage. He goes, I love them all. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is great. I go, I, yeah. need, a, I, need, a, I need a testimonial, <laughs> you know, from that. <laughs> so... 
it's just incredible to me. Like they never had a wedge in this guy, not a pitching wedge. You just took it out because you didn't like it, you know. And I'm wow. like, wow, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we're meeting all kinds of fun people. Yeah, and, and where he plays, he plays near uh, Buffalo and Grand Island. Um, so they have grass bunkers on the course that he plays. <clears throat> so he, you know, has never really been exposed to, um, you know, sand bunkers. He says, I've seen him on TV. I mean, this guy's, you know, in his thirties. He goes, I've seen him on TV and I've been on courses before, you know, where they've had him. He said, but I've never really been in one before. And if I did, I just kind of, you know, did like this with it. And so he did a, in a seven iron and it would like run right up the bunker and go on the green. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. This is crazy. How, how good, good this is. I almost hesitate to change you, but I mean, we got to look cool too, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and be good with our wedges, especially if you're wearing the grand, you know, on your shirt. <laughs> right. Brian, a couple more before we let you sure. go. And, you know, I've loved, seeing you out uh, on the uh, golf channel golf uh, golf academy and uh you know some of the some of the great videos that uh that you've put together there um let's talk you know we, we were talking putting earlier with with dave stockton mm-hmm. jr i want to kind of get your thoughts sure. you know when when we are faced with the three to four you know the knee knocker right that we got to mm-hmm. make for for par or you know to beat our buddies that sort of thing talk about how do how do we go about making sure we make the majority of putts from that distance yeah i I think uh, and again thank you for the the compliments i appreciate it um you know dave's wonderful his dad's wonderful obviously uh the way we handle things is 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 we try to find the you know predominant slope uh, of the putt and get it inside the edge and firm it in uh, we don't really, unless it's a, there's a crazy break in it. So we all my students address it that way. So, so we're making the majority of them. But I, I think most importantly too, it's, it's a mindset, you know, with the student and they need to stay positive. They need to stay in their process. They need to stay on time and on schedule, you know, with how they get through things and, and let's not overread or over, overthink, uh, you know, our pots. So a lot of it's mental. Um, and I, and I, you know, and I can share with you, uh, I got a text this evening. Uh, someone was talking to me that he misses a lot of those three and four footers and five footers. So I just sent him the video about the dice game and, and, you know, to make it more fun and, and, um, you know, stay in a, a process and randomize so he can make, you know, 75 putts in a row from three feet, same line, same putt. Well, of course. Um, but when you start to add randomization into it, the game becomes a little bit harder. So we generally play games to help people toughen up a little bit on those putts. So we'll have two, two dice and we'll roll them and, and whatever number comes up on the dice, that's the distance that the putt is. And it's always for one. Um, but we do sometimes mark the golf ball zero, minus one or plus one. So the putt could be for a birdie. It could be for a par. It could be for a bogey. So start to elevate their their brain a little bit more. You know, like this is super important. Um, you know, each putt, and no matter what the foot the yardage is on it or the distance, we're always trying to make it. You know, we're always trying to make a one, and it puts them in a little different mindset. We, you know, I find that putters are very cautious. Um, you know, and when we get kids, all they think about is the make. You know, they don't care if it's 50 feet past if it hits the hole and jumps eight feet in the air and goes in, they're thrilled. They're not trying to, you know, just roll them in. So 
we got to play a little bit like a kid. Um, we got to not be so afraid, uh, you know, to miss and understand too statistically, you're going to make most of them, you know, if you just get it inside the edge and firm it in. And Brian, one of the things my son as a, as a junior golfer struggles with is controlling distance of his putts, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, on the long, you know, putts, the long lag putts. Sure. What's a, what's a good way to develop feel for the, uh, for the long distance putts? Well, this is kind of funny, but we do a little game called cross country. So you can play in an X. You take the farthest holes, uh, you know, on your putting green, obviously when no one's around and you set a target score of two for each one of those. And you go uphill, downhill, side hill, uphill, side hill, downhill. Um, what you do is you play a match. And what I'll do is, is offer, um, a discount, <laughs> you know, on lessons. So parents love that. Um, or something out of the pro shop or something out of the nine and a half. Um, if they can go through a round of nine where they two putts, so 18 putts cross country. And what we do is we just are constantly moving the length and making them putt almost fully across the green all the time. They'll have four putts, um, where they'll be just corner to corner, the farthest point. And then they'll have other putts that are fractionally inside of that. And it's really interesting to see how good they get when you play games like that with them where they need to control the speed. Um, most people, I think if you go to your local clubs, um, they say, you know, they'll put a few three or four footers. Well, they don't hit it that close to the hole. <laughs> you know, the average is 21 feet. So we should be putting from 21 feet almost all the time, you know, for a 20 handicap when they do hit a green, it's never four feet. That's their second or third putt. Um, right. You know, the first their first one's usually, you know, in the 20-foot range. So we always keep it at or outside of that range also to two-putt. Kind of cool. Yeah. No, that's fantastic stuff. Yeah, a little different. So, you know, we, a lot of teachers might have them putt to quarters or, you know, different, different marks. And, and we'll take them out on the golf course and do the same thing. Like, you know, show me where your normal putt is, and they'll go to four feet right away. No, like your first putt, you know, and they'll be like, well, this could be could be my first one because I missed the green, you know, and I chip it close, which is great, you know, but generally we're at 20 feet. So we need to be able to, you know, two putts in 20 feet. And it's, it's, it's crazy how good they get, you know. They might even make one once in a while, which is like a thrill, you know. For right, some. even better. Yeah, statistically, I mean, it's, it's, it's rare, but, uh, the two putt, it, they could be excellent at that. And then we just keep working on their iron play and getting them to hit more greens and getting them to hit it closer. And it's, uh, the other game you can play too is put your, put your son at 50 yards, you know, and it, it all plays into putting. Put him at 50 and make him hit it on and say, okay, here we go. Target scores three right. or target scores two. Um, and make them get up and down. It starts to get them to hit it closer to the hole, to think more. They become better wedge players and also better putters at the same time. Yeah, no, that's great stuff, Brian. So, Thanks. Brian, you, you're sort of, you know, like I've been saying all night, you, you now you, you're wetting our whistle for all the all the wonderful, you know, teaching videos and, and instruction that you do. Let our listeners know. How can they go out and find it online, find it on social media, and follow you as well? Sure. Yep. You can go right to my website at briangacobsgolf.com. 
And then what I'd advise you to do is just scroll down to the bottom and I have a new media page. It's about a month old now. So I have all my, all my golf channel uh, stuff that I did there. Uh, you can also go to golfchannelacademy.com uh, backslash Brian Jacobs and you can find stuff there too. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Brian Jacobs Golf and Facebook is Brian Jacobs Golf. Pretty simple. I'm a simple guy. <laughs> Keep it all simple. I can, I can remember it all. Is it dot com or is it at? That's all I have to remember. <laughs> there you go. Well, Brian, like I said in your intro, it is it has been a wonderful you know privilege starting to get to know you over the last several months. It's been wonderful following you and seeing the great things that you're doing on the Golf Channel and and other places and uh, you know following one another out on out on social media. You're fantastic. I can't thank you enough for for your support and for coming back again tonight. I hope you'll come back again real soon because there's so much to learn from you. Oh, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, let's go, Bills. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Brian, thanks for your time tonight. All the best to you and your family. Like I say, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. God bless. Thank you. You too. That is Brian Jacobs again. Brian Jacobs Golf, and uh, you know, like I say, what a wonderful guy Brian is, and he's got so many good videos and, and things out on his website, BrianJacobsGolf.com, and available out there on YouTube as well. And uh, you'll see him, like he says, on the Golf Channel. And uh, I've seen a lot of the teaching videos that he has done for uh, Golf Channel Academy, and they're all just you know fantastic. So check him out, follow him, and uh, we look forward to getting Brian back on the show again real soon. All right, folks, it's time for me to close up shop. But before we do, we always like to remind you about our friend and PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes and the great things that he and the folks at the Salute Military Golf Association are doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, folks, to find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go to smga.org. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the Bradley Putter Company. This year, you've heard me talking about the meteoric rise of the Bradley Putter Company from concept last year on Black Friday to one of the sensations at the PGA Merchandise Show in January. Well, I got mine, and boy, is it a beauty. We're proud to be partnering with Bradley to help promote their unique line of putters made from burl wood now, folks, and these aren't ornamental putters. People are raving about the look and the feel of the Bradley putter. You know, they can custom make them to the shape and the color that you like. Mine is in black and yellow to support my Pittsburgh teams. Go online to BradleyPutters.com to see how fantastic this new line of putters really is. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again to Dave Stockton, Jr., 
Catherine Roberts and Brian Jacobs for joining me tonight, and I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, and share your feedback. And if you happen to have a question you'd like to, you know, for us to get on the uh, on the air for you, whether it's for a future guest that we've got lined up to join us or someone who's already been on the show, please send us that question. We'll be glad to uh, take care of it for you. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. And that show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast over on TuneIn.com, iHeartRadio, and as a featured podcast with our good friends over on Podbean. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days and their insights into what's going on around the NFL today. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can find both shows online, this show at nextonthetee.net and the other thursdaynighttailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free from either of those sites as well. Folks, I can't thank you enough for tuning in tonight and uh, you know checking out the show. We know you've got a million podcasts and shows out there to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the Tee one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Next on the tee with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. It's fall, the geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's Select Grade Handgun Ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10 by 50 V-Plex rifle scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at cabelas.com. It's fall, the geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's select-grade handgun ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10 by 50 V-Plex rifle scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at cabelas.com.